Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for On the Money. Presented by Embassy National Bank. Now, here's your host, Joe Moss. Hi, everybody. This is Joe Moss, and welcome to another segment of On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. As you know, uh, Embassy National Bank is here to help small business, and we, uh, we bring on different professionals and talk topics that will help you become a better business person. Uh, we've talked about uh, just about anything from uh, leadership to marketing to sales to uh, technology. Uh, you name it, we have discussed it. Uh, we have now uh, over 55,000 listeners and uh, this has uh, turned out to be just a great thing for Embassy National Bank to do. We have a repeat guest because uh, we had a lot of fun with him last time. Mr. Philip Saxton is with us today from Small Business Samaritans. We come alongside and we walk alongside. So, Philip, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Joe. Good to be here. And uh, Philip and I had a really good talk the first time he was on the show about the sales process and um, and and Philip is uh, a sales professional in the old sense in that I don't know uh, if you I might be showing my age and Philip we might be collectively showing our age but Philip was trained uh, with IBM back in the days of uh, heavy metal and big blue that's right and that um, was uh, back in the day it was an elite organization and it was well known for its incredible sales process and how how efficient that was and and Philip was a not only a, a, a he was a trainer as well as a very good salesman within that organization mm-hmm. and um, so we're honored to have you here and uh, all the young pups out there ought to sit here and listen to some of the wisdom that comes out of your mouth thank you very much for having me okay hey um I want to talk about uh, something that I th- see as a potential issue and that is, um, the selling process, but also social media. And it appears to me that there is a, a, uh, a trend to thinking the social media is your entire sales process. And, uh, in fact, a lot of people may think that social media will replace sales, but I think that is a dangerous trend. And I wanted to talk to you about that. So, um, Let's talk about integrating social media into the sales process, where it fits, uh, what it does, what it, how, you know, what it complements, what it should do, what you can't expect it to do, and the other things that you ought to do in the sales process that would allow you to become efficient. Well, uh, Joe, I think the first thing to remember or to think about is that small business people need to be involved with social media but to recognize that it is just a tool. It is one of many tools that you'll use to introduce your product, to explain your products in terms of the advantages and, and, and benefits of using the product. Uh, and you can educate uh, through social media. The other thing that's very important about social media is that you can really do a lot towards working on your brand in terms of branding yourself. And it is important for small businesses to be involved in social media, but you cannot depend upon it totally. And so I I agree with you completely that those small businesses that think 
that they can sell totally and only with social media making a big mistake. And uh, is this true along all businesses or is it just kind of relational types of businesses uh, or is it true of the widget kind of companies as well? Oh, I think it's true of the widget company as well as companies that depend upon relationships or companies that are, are offering a service. Uh, if you're in the service-oriented business, it's very difficult to sell services using social media. Mm-hmm. But you can educate, uh, you can brand, you can inform. Uh, there are a lot of things you can develop your reputation. There are a lot of things you can do with social media using it as a tool as long as you're using it within the context of an overall strategy. Okay. Well, then let's talk about the overall overall strategy, and, and uh, I'll play the guinea pig. Let's, let's assume that uh, um, you're talking to um, a group of loan officers about uh, the sales process. Um, where do, what do you start with in terms of the overall sales process? Well, you're going to start with, uh, first of all, training those loan officers, if you're going to look at it from that standpoint, is to make sure that those loan officers have, have received adequate one-on-one training uh, with a sales coach. And I think that's a very, very important uh, concept, is the concept of business coaching or sales coaching. There are a lot of fantastic athletes out here, Joe, who never really made it big. They never made it big in high school, college, or professional sports, not because they did not have the athletic ability. They didn't make it because they didn't have adequate coaching. Businesses is the same way. You know, it is very important to find good business coaches and to hire those coaches if you need to. And in a, uh, in a professional sales environment, um, uh, social media, I guess, is it can be used to identify your lead. A lot of times, social media's uh, media can generate leads, uh, but again, it has to be done in the context of an overall strategy. And this is where many small businesses fail. They really don't know how to use this tool. Uh, just to post something, you know, occasionally or haphazardly, or perhaps uh, not taking it as serious as you should, can sometimes even hurt you. But if you sit down, again, with people that know what they're doing and develop an overall strategy from beginning to end and figure out how social media is going to you, going to help you, uh, then, then it can be quite effective. But let's break it down a little bit more. Uh, and there are many, many social media platforms. Uh, some of the most popular ones are Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Tumblr, Google+. I can go on and on. Uh, And it depends on which social media platform that you're using. Let's take uh, LinkedIn, for example. It is difficult to sell a product or service on LinkedIn, but there are two things that you can do with LinkedIn that are really very, very invaluable. Number one, you can build your brand. Mm -hmm. And number two, you can build relationships. Uh, and through building the brand and building the relationships, that very often will lead to very, very good and important leads for you that you can follow on with follow up on with an actual sales process. Okay, well, let's talk about the building the relationship because we had that discussion last week on the show, and um, 
Very good point. Uh, he, had, he had some rules of thumb. He said uh, you identify uh, potential relationships on LinkedIn, um, and uh, you can, I don't know, hit it a couple of times, but at some point you got to move to the telephone, and then you got to move to the face-to-face. That's right. Uh, you, you identify the relationships. You generate interest through, the, through LinkedIn, but uh, that person is absolutely correct. It's the next step has to be the telephone or meeting or both. And uh, but you're not going to accomplish anything until you get face to face or at least talk to the person over the phone. OK, so and then building the brand on LinkedIn, uh, that's uh, what articles. It's it's uh, uh, just identification linked to a website. It's uh, all those things. Yeah, right? it's, it's, it's educating. It's, it's letting people know that you have the capability and the experience that can help them. And so, uh, you know, it, it may take you several months to build up your brand, to build up your reputation with a series of articles and postings over a period of time before people who are looking at it on that social media platform began to get comfortable with you and want to talk with you further. Yeah, I I guess LinkedIn is probably underutilized in a lot of respects, isn't it? I mean I think it is. And I think LinkedIn is very often misunderstood because most people think of LinkedIn as a place where you can find a job or change your career. It really is much more valuable than that. And I think as small business owners, we really have to learn how to use it. The other thing you can do with LinkedIn and some of the other social medias as well is that you can help your business associates. Everything doesn't necessarily have to be about you. Uh, through the process of helping others, you're really helping yourself. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, um, you're, you're coming up with two concepts here that are, really uh dated but i don't think they're ever going to go out and that is relationships and education they're key it, relationships and education are key many many people really don't know what they don't know and so this is a way of of letting people know something or giving them a new idea a new thought a new concept that you can share with the public out there that you're interfacing with and through sharing that new thought new concept you can then get some you know uh uh cyber ahas oh hey that's interesting i think i'd like to talk to that person Mm -hmm. and you might then end up getting them uh having them contact you or calling you because of what they saw uh through a usually a series of postings let me add that it's, it, it takes more than just one posting. It takes a series of postings that are well, well planned over a period of time. Okay. Um, you're listening to On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. This is your moderator, Joe Moss, and we're talking with um, Phil uh, Philip Saxton, who has been on the show before. He is the founder and president of Small Business Samaritans. Uh, where they walk along, they come alongside you, and they walk alongside you. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But we're talking about integrating social media into the sales process and not replacing the sales process with social media. Yeah, uh, if I could add one other concept, and that is social media does allow you to leverage yourself. 
it, it, you, you've got multiple copies of yourself out there. And so by posting on Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, uh, Instagram, and, and you really have to decide which ones you're going to use. Sometimes you may use one or two. Other times you may use six or seven different platforms. Mm-hmm. It sort of depends upon what your product or services, service is. Uh, but when someone sees your posting, think of that as leveraging yourself. It's like having multiple cop- copies of Joe Moss out there talking about a concept that he's interested in. And it's a billboard. That's exactly right. It's a billboard. Uh, um, now, let, uh, talk about um, the blogging process. I mean, to me, that immediately comes to mind as to a way to educate people is through the blog. Mm-hmm. And um, the blogging can be done either on LinkedIn or linked into a blog site, I would think. Yes, it, it can be. And, and you can also blog on other medias as well. Plus, you ought to be blogging on your own website. Correct. A blog should probably be, probably be no longer than one page in length. Uh, but the thing that I really want to stress with your listeners, Joe, is that it needs to be well-written. You know, it's a well-written page that you spend a considerable amount of time on making sure that you've really crafted uh, something that is to the best of your ability. And if you're not a good writer, then don't blog. Find someone who is a good writer, share the information that you want to share with them, and let them write the blog for you. Yes, the, and, it had the, and the message, if it's just one page, it's got to be concise to the point, um, relevant, and Absolutely. I guess, and, and actually have a probably a hard, fast opinion or conclusion to it. Most people will not read more than one page. Right. Uh, you know, it, there, there are certainly times when you're interested in a particular subject, but you usually will go to some other source to find that in-depth knowledge. You, when you're using social media, you're not trying to get, give someone enough knowledge that they could uh, obtain a degree or become an expert. You're trying to really generate interest. You're trying to share new ideas. Uh, and you ought to be able to do that in one page. All right, and the uh, we talked about this at the front of the discussion was the first thing you start with is a well-educated sales staff. Yes. Um, so let's assume that everybody's educated, and that's not only um, they got to know the product, they got to know the field, and they also need to know the borrower as well. And in my case, as a as a loan officer, they also need to know the borrower or the potential client. Absolutely. And they need to know how to build relationships with those clients. Every client that's coming into your bank, as an example, is different. They have different backgrounds. They're from different parts of the country. Uh, they have different beliefs, different uh, politicians that they, that they support, different religions. And so as a good salesperson, you've got to be flexible enough and good enough to be able to engage in a meaningful conversation with those clients, no matter no matter their background. And that takes practice. It's an ongoing process. Many people will go to a sales school and they say, okay, I got it. You know, not really understanding that every day you have to practice your craft and you never ever achieve perfect perfection. And all right, let's shift it from being a loan officer. Let's say I'm selling um, 
outsourced printing services to uh, law firms or our cloud technology to law firms. Um, I kind of need to know how a law firm works, don't I? Absolutely. You need to study how law firms, uh, firms work, and you need to understand how your product can apply to the needs of that law firm. But the first thing you've got to do is that you've got to get in there, talk to some people, and understand what their needs are. That's the most important part. The most important part of sales is not telling them about your product or your service. The most important part of sales is to understand what the client's needs are. And you need to spend twice as much time, if not three or four times longer, understanding the client's needs than selling your product. Okay, so, um, and developing the relationship. And developing the relationships and developing rapport. Because people really enjoy doing business with people they like and that they enjoy being around. It's like being around your best friend. You know, as a sales professional, you want to develop relationships with your clients where they consider that relationship extremely valuable. All right, so if, if you know, continue with this example, you've got a, uh, say, a cloud storage uh, rep, if you will, and a, uh, and a law firm. Um, they're using LinkedIn potentially as a personal kind of tool. Their, their company may have a corporate page, but let's say they have a personal tool. They need to identify who those people are on that client side and try to go out and link in with them. That's right. And, and, and again, that's going to take time because uh, you, you really need to develop uh, a three to six month and perhaps even longer strategy as to what you're going to post on LinkedIn, when you're going to post it, and understand the clients that you're trying to reach. Now, very many people that you may be trying to reach may be on vacation. They may not see your posting. Mm-hmm. And so what you have to do is you have to double back and, and post that, that information again or post it in a different way. But it's not, that, it's not just as simple as putting something out there one time, which is what I see many, many people do, thinking that they are having an impact on their marketplace, and they really are not. And They're fooling themselves. Talk about LinkedIn versus the telephone. Um, LinkedIn will never replace the telephone. At some point, you've got to pick up the phone, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the telephone is a very, very effective tool to use in sales. Uh, but the most effective tool, of course, is you. Face-to-face communication mm-hmm. is the best. Mm-hmm. The second best form of communication is using the telephone. Mm-hmm. And the third form of communication, the worst form, form is email. And um, I think it's, uh, from a, uh, a sales perspective, I think it's important once you start developing this relationship, and I say this from a selfish standpoint, I think it's important to go out and ask the person, how would they like to be followed up with? Um, they may say, don't waste your time on a phone call. Uh, just send me a quick message on email or whatever. Um, and that might be the preferred way to get in touch with somebody. It might be, uh, uh, but if you're going to send an email, send an attachment with it mm-hmm. and, and, and let the attachment pr- provide the value of that contact, not the email itself. Okay. Um, all right, let's 
let's move on. Then the um, in in a is Facebook a good business marketing tool, or is it mostly just personal, family, uh, friends, uh, consumer type of thing? No, I think Facebook is a good business tool, and it's becoming a stronger and stronger business tool every day. It gets stronger and stronger. The important thing with Facebook is that you very often will have a personal page and a business page. Do not mix the two. Do not post personal stuff, things about your vacation or that your dog just had pups on your business page. (laughs) You know, keep that for for your personal page or the fact that you've just attended a great barbecue. That's personal. Only put stuff out there on your business page that relates to business. And again, you're going to do two things. You're really trying to educate. You're trying to inform. uh, You're trying to generate leads. And yes, with Facebook, some people actually use it to sell. And those people would, would fall into the category where they have a fairly inexpensive product like a piece of jewelry or sweater or something of that sort, perhaps pillows. You know, you can actually carry the sales process quite far with Facebook when you're t- selling something that's fairly uh, simple call it and a widget. fairly inexpensive. Yeah, yeah like a yeah. widget. They like a widget. a widget. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, is it, can you overdo social media? No, I don't think you can overdo it. Uh, you know, th- th- as a matter of fact, I, my uh, uh, observation is that people underdo it. Hmm. They will post one time and then not post again for a month mm-hmm. or until next week. That is underdoing it. If you're going to have a social media strategy, it generally means that you're going to be posting either every day or at least two, three times a week. All right, so we've gone through the... Um uh, we can talk all day about how to hire a salesperson, and and uh, to me and for you, it's all in the hire and and uh, you know, slow to hire, quick to fire, all that kind of stuff. Strategy, make sure they fit the right mold for what you're looking for. But we've developed, uh, we've got a salesperson, we've got them educated, and now we've got some relationships, and and uh, they pick up the phone. Finally, they make a call and they have a presentation. Uh, talk about the presentation and the content of the presentation. Should it be pushy? Should it be uh, educational? Should it be uh, uh, what? How should that presentation go? Well, many people, Joe, really misunderstand the purpose of sales. Sales is a service. That's all. It, it's a service just like any other kind of service. And you really need to look at it that way. What is your objective? Your objective really is not to sell anything. All right, let me repeat that. Your objective is not to sell anything, your, but your objective is to give your clients the information they need in order to make a decision. So you're delivering information to make a decision. That's right. And so the purpose of your presentation should be just that. Let me give you all of the information you need to make, to make a decision in the very, very best way that I can, and then leave it up to the client to decide whether they want to buy your product or service or not. You know, it, even if they say, no, Joe, you've done your job as a salesperson. But 
that assumes that you know what decision that they need to make or want to make. So that goes back to prior to even setting up this meeting, you've got to understand what what's going on with them. Oh, absolutely. So it's a sales process. It's called a lot. I call it a logical sales process, which is a term that I came up with many, many years ago. You really know what's going to happen pretty much when you get to the presentation stage because you spend a lot of time, number one, understanding the customer's needs, asking a lot of questions, developing a relationship, developing the, 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 uh, the, the uh, solution. Uh, so that when you get down to the final presentation, the big presentation where you're asking them for a decision, you should have a pretty good idea how that's going to be, how that's going to turn out. Mm -hmm. But again, your objective is to give them all of the information that they need so that they can make an adequate decision, a good decision. And hopefully that decision will be made in your favor. We're just in that decision. I know we're kind of rambling, but uh, that's what we do on this show a little bit. But in the decision process, um, where does price come as as a component of the decision? It really is. The price is really not that important unless it's just way out of line. Uh, it's, it's the least consideration. Um, you know, in sales, I, I've sold uh, many, many solutions to people where I was not the lowest price. But why did they buy from me? Well, for a number of reasons. Number one, they knew that I understood what they were trying to accomplish and that I was going to help make this successful. So they had confidence in me. Uh, they also knew that uh, what I was selling them, that I did everything with a great deal of integrity. And if your competitor does not use the same kind of integrity or the competitor does not give you the same good general feeling, then that competitor, even though uh, he may be cheaper, uh, could lose the sale. Talk about competition. Where does the, and I've got a little input on this as well, but where does addressing the competition come up in the sales process? Uh, it comes up through the customer, only through the customer. You never bring up a competitor's idea or even their name. Uh, but a customer may very well have an objection or ask you a question indicating to you that this question is really from, uh, from the competitor. In that case, what you do is you answer the question and you answer the question only. You never disparage your competition. You just give them the facts. And uh, go, I want you to say that again. Never disparage the competition. I can't tell you how unprofessional that sounds and people think that they're doing the right thing absolutely and and it, and it's to me it's an indication that the person has a, a character problem uh, perhaps they are not selling with the proper kind of integrity they, they it just indicates that they are not the kind of people that you want to do business with even though they may be cheaper mm -hmm. okay uh but if you adopt the philosophy that you will never disparage, uh, if anything, uh, uh, error on the other side, praise, praise. Them. Well, that's what we it, were we were trained to do is say, well, you know, they're they're a very fine firm, um, but let me tell you how our process is better. Absolutely, 
and without getting into their process at all, mm-hmm. what you really then uh, have the opportunity to share is what's good about your uh, uh, your process or your products. Again, the customer is going to make a decision. They're going to either decide on company A or company B. And you want to make sure that they have all of the information that they need to make a positive decision about your product or your service. Um, let's go back. To, let's well, not yet. Let's not go back yet. Let's talk about closing at this point. So you made the presentation. You've left them all the information they need to make a decision. Um, how do you get them to make the decision? You ask for a decision. Uh, and 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 this is a this is a, another place where many many salespeople fail. They don't ask. You can never get yet a yes or no if you don't ask. And people are so um, concerned about personal rejection that they end up not asking for the order. It is imperative that you ask for the order at the tail end of the presentation. At the well, you can ask for it earlier than that. Right, you can right. say. You know, uh, we used to call this trial close. If I can provide you with a solution at a great price, will you buy? Mm-hmm. And uh, if the answer is yes, then you say, well, you know, let's go on. Uh, but it is so vitally important, Joe, that you ask for the order. Now, a lot of times in closing techniques, you learn different ways of asking for the order. There's There are dozens of ways in which you can ask for the order. But the important thing is whatever way you use, that you ask for the order. All right, let's let's be let's be uh, optimistic and say uh, they say yes. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a good thing. What if they say no? Then if someone says no, and you spent all of this time with them, they have an obligation to tell you why. And that's what you do not want to leave from there. You have an obligation to ask them too. You have the obligation to ask them for the order. If they don't give you the order, then you want to walk out of there at least understanding why you didn't get it. Right. And, you know, uh, customers also have integrity. They're going to tell you. If you ask them why you didn't get the order, they will tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point do you stop beating on the can and then close that door and work go work on something else? At the point you get the no. Okay. You know, uh, if the no is followed up by objections, you know, you didn't get the order because let's let's say uh, the most common objection, of course, is price. Uh, well, I like your product. I like what you're doing, but you're just way overpriced. Those are the easiest ones to overcome. Let me tell you why. You can always work out a price situation, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it may take some creativity. You may have to go back to the office and talk to the boss and do some creative financing. Uh, but if it comes down to just price, you can usually overcome that objection. But if the customer uh, gives you a no simply because they don't think your product will work for them no matter the price, then that sales process is over. And you should celebrate. You know why you should celebrate? Because now you go on to the next one. You know, salespeople should, uh, you know, understand that you're not going to close every sale that you attempt to make. But if I don't close this one, I get excited because that means that 
probably I'm going to close the next one. Get the next one. I'll get the next one. And uh, that's also a good reason why you should have an ample pipeline, too, of, of leads that you're generating, discussing, uh, relationships you're developing. That should just be an ongoing process. Absolutely. And, and, In many cases, salespeople are given quotas or objectives. And let's say your objective is to sell $2 million a year of the product or services. Well, you need to have a pipeline that would generate, say, $8 million a year. Mm-hmm. And go back and look at your closure rate and find out what that pipeline ought to be. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about quotas for a minute. Uh, the you know Amazon hit the Amazon hit the news recently about uh, people having quotas and they they video them. I don't know how exaggerated it was, crying at their desk, et cetera. But um, are quotas a good thing? Are they a good motivator? I think quotas are an excellent motivator, and uh, not only that, I think quotas ought to be used by sales managers on a weekly basis to keep applying pressure uh, on the salespeople. Now, why is it that you want to put them under pressure? Well, you want to put them under pressure so that they will use all of their creative juices, all of their hard work in, 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 in meeting the objectives. Uh, if you have quotas and you never ask people how they are performing against those quotas, you might as well not have the quota at all. Right, that's a good point. If you have a quote, if you don't give salespeople quotas, then what you're really saying to them is that, oh, you know, just come to work, have a good time, don't worry about selling anything. You know, uh, your job is secure. Uh, that's a serious mistake. And um, it's, it'd be perfect world if you could find salesmen that don't need quotas to be motivated, but that's few and far between. Few and far between. Most people need the, the quota. You know, it's just like uh, playing ball. You know, if you're a coach and you're coaching a, a team, your objective is to win, not just get out and have fun and, oh, you guys just go out there and do the best that you can and that kind of thing. That's not good. It's not good for the team. Is not ter- good in terms of team development or individual development. You want to put them under uh, intense pressure so that they will perform uh, at at their b- level best. And the um, we we discussed this on a previous show that uh, quota. Uh, we talk about accountability to somebody else and how accountability is important uh, for you to stay on your goals because you ought. It's human nature for us to want to please somebody, and the accountability allows us to please someone with how we're doing, Um, and it allows uh, someone objective to come in and say, wait a minute, where are you compared to where you, you said you wanted to be? Absolutely. Not only should we have accountability in sales, but we really should have accountability in every aspect of our lives. Yeah. And so that really means that you need to have multiple mentors, multiple coaches, multiple friends who will hold you accountable in every area of your life. Mm -hmm. Because it is only when you have that accountability and that coaching and people really that care about you that you're going to continue to advance. Going back to the quota, um, another uh, in a uh, couple weeks ago, I believe I uh, made the comment about uh, adrenaline. A quota will spur the old adrenaline uh, in you, and adrenaline probably is the best drug ever created. 
uh, if it's internally produced. Absolutely. You know, uh, many, many people wait until the last minute to do things because they love the adrenaline. They love the pressure to operate under pressure. And so if you don't put them under pressure as a sales manager or as a business owner, they would put themselves under pressure so that they can get to feel that adrenaline. Actually, and I read some uh, people that really like the adrenaline, they will subconsciously make themselves late for an airplane, for example, yeah. where they've got to rush through the concourse to get on the flight and those other things. That's that's pretty interesting. I want to talk about, let's go back to, um, uh, my goodness, uh, let's go back to lead generation. Um, does social media allow qualification of lead generation it would seem that that's one of the big benefits of social media developing a lead is that it's the leads kind of already qualified isn't it no i i think you're right i think social media uh can be a very good lead generator uh but many many small businesses really don't understand how to develop leads and it's going to take some time you know you just don't get on there and and you know, turn a few switches and post a few things and sit back and wait for the leads to come in. It doesn't work like that. It is a long-term strategy that will end up generating leads for you. And there are a lot of services that will give you leads, but uh, I wouldn't think that that's very efficient way of developing a lead. Well, you know, uh, you can buy leads from companies. There are companies that are in the business to provide you with leads uh you know i would say that the vast majority of those names uh and phone numbers and email addresses that you that they give you uh are are worthless um i can't believe this but we're out of time um the conversation has been really good as it always is with you philip um you're very educational um uh, you're you're very good at developing a relationship, so you're doing all the things that, that, that you preach, which is very admirable. Um, and uh, and I guess we started out by asking whether social media replaces the sales process, and I think where we've ended up is that it is a tool. Yes. It helps, but it cannot and will never replace the old adages of educating the customer, developing a relationship, um, doing the presentation, making the phone call, going to see them, asking for the business, understanding their needs. The social media can't do all those things, and that's the essence of getting the sale. That's, that's exactly right. Okay. The relationships, or the personal relationship that you develop is vitally important. Uh, Joe, you, there's, a, there's something that uh, when I was uh, a sales manager, I used to uh, have the banking industry as a part of my responsibility and we introduced i'm the sorry <laughs> we introduced the atm and a lot of people thought that the atm would replace the teller it has not and it should not as a matter of fact i would much prefer going in spending some time with the teller having a relationship with him or her than going through an ATM. I, I think a, that personal relationship is vitally important. Yeah, I was a young buck on the front part of that whole process, and uh, um, we actually calculated that the ATM, if not properly utilized, was actually more expensive than having a teller. 
Um, and we actually went to the in-lobby cash dispensers, you know, to try to help a little bit. But you're right. The teller has never been replaced. And I think it gets back to um, uh, that, that book John Nesbitt wrote called Megatrends years ago where he said high tech, high touch. You know, That's right. technology will be used to enhance the touch but never replace it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen, um, Philip, thank you so much for being on the show. Um once you uh, uh, give out your phone number and uh, some contact information, um, Philip knows his stuff, everybody, and uh, I, can, I think he can be of some real assistance to you. Well, you can reach me at 404-713-0991. Good. That's the best way. Just call me, 404-713-0991. Yeah. Pick up the phone, Pick develop the phone. a relationship call okay good <laughs> well listen everybody thank you so much for listening it was a, it was so far it's been a great segment and philip i appreciate you coming in and um, um as we talk about every time on on the money we want you to be careful out there and we want you to leave the fear in the back seat but just to let you know um we are the number one small business show on business radio x uh, very impressive, Mr. Mike, um, for doing all that. You can, we are, our Twitter handle is on, uh, dot the dot money and then the number one. And, um, you can always look at, listen to all of our episodes at on the money dot business radio dot com. And, uh, have a good day. Uh, enjoy the, the fall season coming up and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Thank you.